Well, I I hope that uh, everyone had an awesome day today. Amen. Of course, you know, the Word of God says that uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. So every day is a good day. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're just going to wait one more minute and then we'll get started. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Amen. Praise God. Thank you uh, for uh, connecting with us tonight. Good evening, Mission Ebenezer, and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Amen. I'm Pastor Manuel Figueroa, and tonight uh, we're going to continue our study in 1 Timothy. Amen. So, if you have your Bibles, please uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Chapter 4. <clears throat> Amen. Now, I've, I've really been enjoying uh, our journey through uh, uh, the Pauline epistles. Um, how many of you have been enjoying our Bible studies, huh? How many of you have been, have been enjoying our journey through through, uh, through the Pauline epistles, huh? They've been awesome, haven't they? I mean, it's been awesome to see everyone connect on Wednesday nights and to see and to chime in, right, on the Bible studies. They've been really, really powerful. Uh, Pastor Josh gave an awesome word last, uh, last Wednesday on uh, chapter 3. But uh, if you've been following along in our studies of the Pauline epistles, um, it should come as no surprise, right, that the vast uh, majority of Paul's teaching on, on Christian uh, ministry focuses on the ministers themselves. You know, uh, personal um, integrity and, and, and the strength of, of character have, have, um, have a bearing on, on all occupations, right? But none more than um, the unique and holy calling of uh, teaching and leading God's people. Amen. I mean, an honest person uh, does better work in, uh, in, in the operating room, right? A surgeon, a surgeon does better work in an operating room uh, um, than a guilty, than one with a guilty conscience, right? But dishonest, you know, surgeons can, can cure, can, can, can still do the job, right? They can still cure patients. Amen. Just like an, an, an immoral officer, right? Can, can uphold the law, right? And, and an underhanded businessman can turn a, a, a profitable deal. Right, just like a shifty salesman can can sell a quality product at a at a fair price, and of course we all know that a, a shady politician can establish good uh, public policy. Right, so hypocrisy in most vocations uh, can uh, detract right from professional um, accomplishments, but it doesn't necessarily prevent them. Amen. However, in Christian ministry, right, uh, in Christian ministry. I mean, we cannot tolerate hypocrisy, amen? I mean, without serious uh, repercussions sooner or later, right? The moral purity of, of a minister um, directly impacts the effectiveness, right, of his or her work. So a minister um, leads, you know, f uh, 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 first and foremost by example, right, by becoming um, a living uh, breathing, um, authentic, uh, transparent uh, model of the gospel, right? From the moment of, of salvation, right? Through the process of, of transformation and in the ultimate journey from this life to the next, amen? So he or she teaches scripture first and foremost by becoming its most 
passionate student and then by allowing sound doctrine to permeate his or her life, amen, resulting in, in, in godliness that is that is observable. Amen. So 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 the minister also spreads uh, gospel truth through relationships, right? Um in the context of of programs and services, yes, but primarily through through a personal um, interaction, amen, with people inside the church and among <clears throat> the the surrounding community, amen. So, so having outlined having outlined the work of the ministry in terms of its uh, leadership and and general order, Paul devotes a, a greater part of this letter right to reminding Timothy of his identity right as a man of God, and he describes the role of of pastor in terms of of um of how he should relate uh, to various age groups and levels of of society um so he writes in effect this is how you know a pastor confronts false teachers right this is how uh, he should behave with with elderly men this is how he he deals with young um widows uh, versus uh, older widows right now now and then by the end right by the end you know Timothy receives of a church uh, with many differing uh, perspectives and competing interests. Amen. So after talking about the church and her message in chapter 1 and the church and her members in chapters uh, 2 and 3, here in chapter 4, uh, Paul will talk about the church and her ministry. And in so doing, he will he will exhort this young Timothy, right, to be a good minister, right, in verses 1 through 6. And then a godly minister in verses 7 through 11. And then a growing minister in verses 12 through 16. Amen. So so before we get into God's word, why don't we go ahead and bow our heads and let's go ahead and pray that the Lord will bless this time of study. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of Bible study, Father. We we. We thank you for what you have prepared for us tonight, Lord. Uh, we ask, Father, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our spiritual eyes, Father, to receive and apply to our lives what you are instructing us to do through your word, Father. So we ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus and let everyone say amen, amen, hallelujah. So why don't we go ahead and start in verse 1. Uh, verse 1 says, <clears throat> the Spirit clearly says, that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So so the false teaching in, in Ephesus was no surprise, okay? The, 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 the betrayal of the gospel had already been foreseen, right? The, the spirit here says that the spirit... Uh, and had revealed to Paul that there would be those who who would depart from the faith, right? False teachers who would listen to deceitful spirits um, and and the teachings of demons, right? But it, but Paul's direct concern here was not just um, about the teachers themselves, as much as for those who he would who those who would receive be deceived by them, right? Uh, a few years before, you know, um, this letter to Timothy, Paul warned the elders of the church at Ephesus, right? The same church that Timothy is now pastoring. And we find this in Acts uh, chapter 20, 
uh, verses 29 and 30 would say, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Amen. So Paul Paul right here uh, said that this would happen in the latter times. So the latter times began uh, with Christ, right? It began with Christ's resurrection and will continue, right, until his return, when he, when he will set up his kingdom and judge all humanity. So Jesus and the apostles also forewarned us, right, that during uh, the, that interim, including the time period that we live in now, right, false teachers will abound. They will distort the truth, amen. They will they will divide uh, believers. They will uh, cause many to go astray, right? Uh, as they follow these 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 uh, lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. So these participants right here in the church will turn away from the faith, right? Even though they may appear uh, to still be faithful believers, I mean they will pretend to be religious, but their consciences are dead. And this is what Paul is telling us. And you know what? I believe. That the days that we live in now, right, are difficult days in which to be a Christian, right? Although the early church experienced uh, persecution to such a degree uh, that by conservative uh, estimates, around 6 million or more of our brothers and sisters in Christ were martyred, right? They were martyred by Rome. But Satan had a problem because the blood of the saints proved to be uh, the seed of the church. In other words, the church grew, right? So... Satan had no choice but to change his strategies. He was unable to beat the church, right? So he decided to join it and seduce it into lethargy and sleepiness. And I believe that it's tougher to be a Christian in these days of, of, of what we call pleasure and prosperity than in the days of persecution. Why? Because persecution, it, it, it necessitates a stand, right? It necessitates a declaration. It necessitates an identification, amen? But in our day, People come to church and be holy on Sunday morning and then turn around and be unholy by set by, by Sunday evening, right? And so in doing so, they, they knowingly fall prey to the seducing spirits that lure them away from the faith, amen? The conscience, amen, church? The conscience that is rightly trained helps us to know um, right from wrong. Right, but these false teachers, man, they had their 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 consciousness, man. They were seared. They were they were to the point that they were numb. Right, they no longer uh, uh, could discern goodness from weak um, from wickedness. Amen. They are seared in their own conscience, as with the branding iron. That's what Paul is saying. So, a conscience that is that is permanently scarred is a conscience that feels nothing. Right, it regrets nothing and cannot be made sensitive again. So Paul here, he's got no patience for false teaching, and he's got no soft words, you know, for these false teachers. I mean, he called them hypocrites. He called them liars, right, with their teaching coming from Satan himself, right? He called them liars because, because they, they, they teach false teachings, and they're hypocritical because they don't even believe what they preach. Amen? So Jesus also gave warning. Remember back in Matthew uh, chapter 24 when the disciples wanted to know when the signs of the end times would be. The first thing that Jesus says, right? He says, watch out that no one deceives you, right? So Jesus knew that there would be false teachers and false messiahs, that they would arise in the latter times, right? And so we see Paul here, he's echoing the same warning. Look what the apostle John wrote in 1 John 4.1. 
It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone, have gone out into the world. And then we also see that, that also Paul tells uh, the Thessalonians that we just, we just finished Thessalonians, right? But in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 19 to 22, he says, Do not quench the spirit. Uh, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil, right? So, so we don't want to be, you know, we, we don't want to get too cynical about the work of the spirit that we quench it, right? But we do need to test things, right? We have to be sure to cling to what is good. And it's vitally important that we, right, you and I, that we are reading, that we are studying, that we are being taught the whole Bible and correct doctrine. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Verse uh, 3. It says, They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created uh, to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Amen. Verse verse uh, 4. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So as a result, okay, as a result of their hardened hearts, right, the, these heretics, man, they were getting their doctrine from demons. So, but, but what did their uh, demonic teachings look like, right? Were they, were they commanding um, animal sacrifices? Um, were they um, instructing people to, like, uh, commit murder and mayhem? No, they were forbidding um, divinely ordained institutions and provisions, right, like, like marriage and certain foods, Things that God created, right, to be received with gratitude. Now, we don't typically associate a lack of gratitude with, with demonic um, influence, but that's what this wicked teaching uh, produced. And Paul says in Romans 1 that, that though human beings knew something uh, of God's great power from, from, from the world he created, they refused to show gratitude to him. Amen. And Moses also warned the Israelites not to forget how the Lord had provided them with everything they needed, right? When they entered into the land of Canaan, otherwise they would follow false gods. So when we fail, when we fail to thank God, right? When we fail to acknowledge that, that everything that we have comes from Him, right? We quickly forget Him, right? Which leads to idolatry. So we got to be careful, right? I mean, Satan, he deceives people by offering a clever imitation of the real thing. And these false teachers gave strict rules forbidding marriage and demanding abstinence, you know, from certain foods, right? Later, these teachings became part of what we know as Gnosticism, right? A belief that, uh, that, that the spirit is good, but the physical world is evil, right? And, and so and so and so anything done in 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 the body's pleasure or to fulfill its needs like like uh, marital sex or even eating it was considered evil and they were saying that to be good and to achieve a higher state a person must deny all evil including physical desires so their demands made uh, these false teachers appear self-disciplined and righteous but but their strict disciplines for the body could not remove sin. Amen. So Paul had explained, and we and as as we were going through through uh the, the Pauline epistles, right? When we were going through like uh Corinthians and Ephesians, we see that in those two books, you know, Paul explained 
the Christian understanding of marriage. Amen. And although in some cases he advised right uh, against marriage in some situations, but he always upheld marriage as ordained by God, right? As as an illustration of Christ's relationship to his church. Amen. But he denied this false teaching, right? That it was wrong to be married. In the same way, abstinence from food, right, for the sake of prayer and fasting, it, it does have a history, right, of, of, of service in, in, in spiritual training. But but saying that it was wrong to eat um, certain foods does not make a person better. Amen. It doesn't make a person better than anyone else. And it doesn't bring a person uh, closer to God. Right. So we can see here that error can be taught. Right. Under the guise of devotion. Amen. So the false teaching was wrong in its conclusions. Right. The physical world is not inherently evil. The physical world that God created should be received, right, with, 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 with thanksgiving, right, by those who, who know and believe the truth. Amen. All foods are acceptable to those who regard God as their provider. Is God your provider? Is God my provider? Yes, he is. Amen. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Amen. And so we are to thank him for, for all the stuff that he, he allows us to have, right? Because we have a relationship with him, we can enjoy uh, his creation all the more, receiving it gladly with thankful hearts. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Verse 5. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Consecrated, right? Uh, another word for consecrated, sanctified, right? Hagiatso, uh, right? To separate from profane. In other words, uh, things that are dedicated to God to purify. In other words, the food is sanctified through God's word, right? It's pure because God's word says it's pure. I mean, Jesus taught that all foods were clean. Back in, in, in Mark chapter 7, uh, verse uh, 18 and 19, this is Jesus uh, talking. He says, are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Amen. So it's not what goes in uh, to, to your body or my body that makes us unclean before God. Right. It's the things that come out of us. Right. Like like lust or like bitterness or anger, things like that, you know, that make us unclean. Right. And as we just saw, Paul came to the same conclusion about food. You know, Romans chapter 14, verse 14 says, I, Paul saying, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Amen, wrong to eat. So food is sanctified by prayer. That's why, that's one of the reasons why we pray before we eat. I mean, I know I pray before I eat. Do you pray before you eat? I mean, we should, right? Because he, God is the one that provided it for us. Amen. So this should be one of the chief uh, characteristics, right, of, of, of a Christian. Anything that we receive from God is sanctified. It's rendered holy, right, by the word of God, which is, establishes the boundaries of our lives. And prayer through which we express our gratitude, church. Amen. So as we recognize God's hand in all the pleasures of his creation, and as we offer him thanks we take this, what is what is ordinary, and we make it extraordinary. Amen? Praise God. Okay, verse 6. 
and says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So how would Timothy prove himself to be a good servant of Jesus? Wow, you know, by, 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 by taking the truths that Paul taught him and by pointing them out, right, to the brothers and sisters. Amen. Shepherds of God's people are called to feed his word to his flock. Amen. That's a huge thing for the shepherds. Amen. We are held accountable. The shepherds are held accountable. The leadership is held accountable. The ministers are held accountable, right? To feed the flock. And what do we feed the flock? God's word. Amen. Why? If they, if we don't do that, the church will end up being malnourished and useless. Amen. And we don't want that. Second, Timothy was to nourish himself, right? By, by the, by the words of faith and good teaching. So if pastors, if leaders, if ministers, right? And, and do not sustain uh, uh, their own spiritual development, right? By feeding on scripture, it's going to be impossible, right? For us to be able to provide spiritual sustenance to others. Amen. The same goes for parents. Okay, in order for us to provide spiritual sustenance to our children, we as parents have to be saturated in the word of God. Amen. How many of us are digging into God's word every day? Right. How many of us, you know, uh, uh, eat of God's word every day? Right. I mean, I mean, think about it. our physical bodies. We don't just eat from Sunday to Sunday, do we? We don't eat a hamburger special on Sunday and wait for next Sunday to get another hamburger special, right? And throughout the week, not, not eat anything. No, we eat all the time and throughout the week. And that's the way it has to be spiritually. We got to feed ourselves spiritually all the time, every single day. Amen. A worthy servant, a worthy, a worthy servant faithfully teaches the truth, right? To, to, to those in his care. So if Timothy would explain what Paul has been talking about to others, he would be fed in the process, and, and the same thing with us. Amen? But I, I can't help but notice, you know, that Paul has been talking about foods, right? And yet, you know, the thing that will nourish Timothy is God's Word, right? What kind of things are nourishing you? What kind of things are nourishing me? Amen? What things fill us up? Amen? Let's think about that. Okay, I mean, because me personally, I get I get way more out of God's word in my own time of preparation and teaching than I tend to when I listen to others. Not that I don't mind listening to others. I mean, because we've got some great pastors, great teachers, man, that are teaching the word of God. But there's something about, you know, you getting into the word of God yourself and allowing the Holy Spirit, man, to really show you what he wants to show you. Amen. It's something about 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 the Holy Spirit giving you a whole buffet Right of, of 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 spiritual food and nourishment, man, for for your for your soul, you know what I mean. So that's why it's important that we not depend on just the pastors or the leaders to feed us. Right, we should be feeding ourselves. We should be digging into God's word. Amen. The, you know they they say that you won't learn more about a subject than when you teach it. Amen. So hey, let, let's let's get into God's word. Amen. So but nourishment also comes. From um, simple obedience as well, right? I mean, while while the disciples, right? I mean, this is going back to you know the story of Jesus, you know, when he was when he was ministering here on earth, you know, when the disciples were were off, you know, getting burgers and fries, right, and shakes at the at the Shechem In and Out, right? Jesus found himself talking to a Samaritan woman at the well, 
Amen. And when the disciples got back, they were surprised that Jesus was not even eating his double double. You know what I mean? And we see here, we see here in John, in John uh, chapter four, verses thirty-two to thirty-four. This is what Jesus tells them. He says, "But then he said to them, I have found food to eat that you know nothing about." Then his disciples said to each other, "Could someone have brought him food?" And I love, I love, I love the response that Jesus gives. He says, "My food." said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Wow, that's powerful. So we see here that that that, that proper proper spiritual nourishment it promotes spiritual growth, right? Proper nourishment uh, for Timothy included constant meditation on the message of faith, right? The gospel message, right? And true teaching, right? Paul's instructions that, that Timothy was to communicate. Because Timothy, we see Timothy, he had been sent into a setting where where there were conflicts over eating habits and minor matters were being inflated into major issues, you know. And so Paul was was echoing these these dietary uh, uh, concerns, right, and of uh, these false teachers by emphasizing to to Timothy that what really mattered was the feeding of the soul. Amen. That's what really counts. So in short, to be a good minister. Stay away from all that stuff that doesn't matter, right? Like in Timothy's days, it was all that that esoteric type, you know, posturing the dietary uh, discussions and the legalism. Stay away from all that. What Paul is saying here to make it short and clear is keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Jesus, right? Jesus is the main thing. Keep it simple. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So in Paul and Timothy's day, people were caught up. Um, they were caught up in Greek and Roman uh, mythology and, and genealogies, right? They were trying to figure out which... With, uh, to, uh, figure out to which God that they were linked to or which God uh, that they uh, descended from, you know. And Paul told Timothy, man, stay away from all that stuff, right? That doesn't count. What you want to do is make sure that you're godly, right? Study how to be godly, right? God's word shows us how to be godly, right? Becoming more like, like God in actions, right? God in actions and uh, becoming more like God in, in attitudes and uh, in character, in conduct, right? This is this should be our goal. This is the Christian goal, right? Listening to silly myths, you know that that produce nothing of value, right? In our in, in our in in our lives, right? Don't pay attention to none of that stuff, right? But the Word of God produces godliness, right? It produces godliness when it's obeyed, right? But this right here isn't easy, right? It comes it comes with training. It comes with hard work, right? I mean, we see here that people, people are willing to to to, to pour ex extensive money and effort into into physical training of the body, even though it has limited effect, right? It has limited benefit, right? How much more then should we devote ourselves to training ourselves for godliness, which provides benefit, right, for the present life and the life to come? You see, godliness provides a deeper experience of God's um, reality at work in our lives, right? Our passion for and pursuit of spiritual growth should be greater than our drive to be physically fit, right? Our souls are, is, is, is the one that is, is what needs the regular workout program, amen? You don't become godly by chance. Look at what Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature, 
who by constant use have trained themselves. Somebody say train themselves, right? That's the hard word. Who constantly, uh, who, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Amen. So when we practice doing right, when we practice doing the right thing and learning uh, right from wrong, we are exercising, right? We're doing the extra reps, if you will. Amen. Uh, let's go to Hebrews 12.11, right? 12.11, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. So if we allow um, ourselves to learn while we're going through difficult times, right? We're, we're, we're exercised. In other words, no pain, no gain, right? This is what Paul is encouraging Timothy. He's encouraging him to step up to the godliness machine in the gym and do some reps. Amen? And the same goes for us, right? Because training emphasizes the point that spiritual development does not happen by chance. I mean, look at an athlete. An athlete, when an athlete is training, he's focused. The athlete is committed. The athlete is constantly training, refusing to let up. The athlete is constantly striving. Amen. And we believers must do the same thing. We have, we must have the same um, focus and commitment, right? Refusing to be sidetracked by wrong teaching. Amen. Praise God. Um, verse eight. Verse eight says, "For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things." holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So the Greek culture put tremendous emphasis on the physique, right? And But Paul says, Timothy, you know, let me, let me get you to understand this. I'm an older man, and I'm telling you that bodily exercise, it profits little, right? I mean, there is indeed a little profit in bodily exercise. It's a good thing, but not nearly as important as exercising oneself, right, in godliness. So if you have to choose between working out and worshiping, opt for worship every time, right? If you have to choose between uh, Bible study and bodybuilding, well, always go with Bible study, amen? I mean, it's, it, it's good to, to jog, right, and to do like the, the knee bends and the presses and the curls. That's good. But we should be putting the same emphasis on jogging our memory of Scripture, amen? Bending our knees in prayer, Right? Pressing on in the faith, right? And curling up with the good book, which is the word of God. Amen. We need to be going to the gym to develop our spiritual muscles. Amen. How many of us want to go to the gym? Hey, let's go to the gym every day. Praise God. So these things are benefit. This is what Paul is saying. They're benefit for us in our life now and the life to come. Praise God. So believers who do um, spiritual exercise, right? We really have the best of both worlds, right? We receive immediate and eternal benefits, and they benefit others as we instruct and model the Christian life. Amen? Praise God. Let's go to verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Verse 10. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. So given the value of of the reward, Paul urges Timothy to, to labor and to strive in pursuit of God in his both for himself and for those uh, that he serves. In fact, hard work with, with, with a heavenly focus is required because of, of, of our hope in the living God. 
Amen. He's the savior of all people in that Christ's death removed uh, the guilt of original sin so that everyone can come uh, uh, to, to, to him for in repentance and in faith, right? The cross made um, all mankind savable, right? But he is the savior, especially of those who believe, those who have received the gift of, of eternal life through placing faith in, in, in uh, alone, right? In Christ alone, amen? So, so believers work hard and suffer much because of eternity. Eternity with God is not just hope for, for a possible occurrence. No, it's, it's, it's hope set on a certainty because it's hope in the living God. Amen. It's not a, not, not on a philosophy, not on a human being, not on material possessions, not on a standard, not on a behavior. No, Christ is a savior of all people, right? In the sense that his work on the cross was sufficient to provide salvation for everyone, but it is particularly to those who believe because salvation becomes effective only for those who trust in him. Amen. And I think this is one of uh, the benefits of, of, of exercising godliness, right? To give uh, uh, more people an opportunity to trust Jesus and be saved. Amen. To make us more effective in sharing our faith. Amen. Praise God. Verse 11 he says, command and teach these things. I like this. I like how he says, command and teach these things. I kind of picture Timothy. Maybe he was maybe somewhat shy, right? But, but, but Paul encouraged Timothy to take charge as, as, as he told Timothy to teach these things and assist that, that, that everyone learn them, right? So, so, so pastors, leaders, ministers are to instruct the people of God in the truths of God, right? Admonishing them to believe and, and, and obey so that they, uh, uh, may properly respond. Amen. This is what ministry is supposed to be about. It's, it's about growing. It's about maturing in godliness. Amen. How many of us want to grow? I know I do. I know that there's a whole lot of growing for me to do. Amen. How about you? Amen. Okay, verse 12, it says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Wow. So Paul counsels Timothy not to let anyone despise his youth, right? Despise. Uh, uh, I hope I pronounce this kataphroneo, right? Which means to disdain or think little or nothing of, right? I mean, when I when I read this, I think of a, of a of a young boy by the name of David, right? Remember the story? You know, the Philistines were 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 constantly tormenting the the weaker Israelites. Amen. The 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 worst came when when a nine foot tall giant, remember, a warrior named named Goliath, came and taunted the armies of of Israel. And David was just a young dude, man. He was a young man, perhaps maybe even in his teens, right? He had never fought in a battle like that, but he faced a lion and a bear. You know what I mean? He wasn't experienced, you know, with swords or with shields or nothing like that, but he knew how to use a sling and stones. Amen? I mean, and we know how the story ended, right? Everybody else, everybody, uh, all the other Israelites, they, they, they were cowards, right? They were cowards. They, they, they feared Goliath. You know what I mean? But David, this young dude, man, who was on fire, right? Who was on fire for the Lord. Man was willing to meet the challenge, and we know how the story ends, right? In First Samuel, in First Samuel chapter seventeen, if you want to read it, you'll know how the story ends. I'm also reminded of the time when God used a simple boy, right, who was willing to share his lunch. Remember that huge crowd that came out to hear Jesus teach? 
When Jesus realized that people were going to need to be fed, at some time he challenged his disciples to take care of it. And while most of the disciples thought that it was impossible to feed all these people, Jesus would take this little boy's bread and fish, his lunch, right? And use it, use them to feed 5,000. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we forget that God can do amazing things. Amen? All God needs is just a little work, just a little something, right? All God needs is for us to be willing to, to be like this, this, this little boy to give up our lunch, right? Amen? So don't let nobody despise your youth, right? But instead, be an example. Be an example to, to other believers, right? Example, which is tupos, right? The mark of, the mark or, 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 of a stroke, right? Or a blow. In other words, it's a print, right? It's a, it's a figure formed by a blow or impression and example, right? So Paul is saying here that, that he is the stamp, right? That is to leave uh, an impression on those around him. And as he presses, right, as he presses against the people in his church, he will leave an impression, right? So he's saying that he's supposed to leave a mark on those around him. Now, we have lots of excuses as to why we can't be used by the Lord. And sometimes, man, we're like Timothy, right? We think we're too young and inexperienced, right, for God to use us. But don't hide behind your excuses, church. Let God shape your life, right? Let God shape my life, right? Let's press into the lives of others. That's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to press into the lives of others, to, to give them an example to follow, even if we think that we're imperfect, right? Even if we think that we know we're not the right example. Paul tells them what kind of marks that he should be leaving, right? Teaching the truth is not enough, church. Church leaders, us as leaders, us as Christians, us as children of God, we have to model the truth that we teach. Amen? Hey, I mean, here's something Here's something to think about. Okay? Ask yourself this question. What if the spiritual walk of everyone in the church was just like yours? What if everyone gave financially to the degree uh, that you give every week? What if... Um, Everyone prayed for missions to the same degree you do. What if every everyone in the Christian community witnessed as much as you do? Where would we be? Hmm. Because you see, it's 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 easy to exhort others, but being an example is much more difficult. We have to be that example. Amen. It's not just in word, but it's in deed also. Amen. We have to leave a mark. That's what Paul is saying. You got to leave a mark, man. You know, you're, 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 you're teaching, you know, uh, the truth, but you have to leave a mark. We have to leave a mark, he says, in word, right, in what we teach, right? Our words uh, create impressions that either uh, facilitate or they complicate all other communication. Timothy was to teach with gentle authority, amen, while avoiding all the useless argumentative conversation. And we got to, too, we got to avoid all this other stuff, right? Remember, keep the main thing the main thing. Paul also said you have to be, you have to leave a mark in conduct, the way we live, right? Our lifestyle, right? As well as our, as, uh, our lifestyle, as well as our specific behaviors, right? Must be consistent with the gospel. And Timothy was to conduct himself as a representative of Jesus Christ. And so do you and so do I. Amen. Even in the details of daily living. Right? We cannot be Christians just at church. No. We cannot be holy just at church. No. We cannot be sanctified just on Sunday. No. 
We are called to, to, to imitate Christ, right? To represent Christ in our daily living, every single day. The way we live, the works we do are a light, right, to those around us. Amen? Paul also says that we have to leave a mark in love, right? When we say the, the, the right words and, and live the right way but lack love, we are demonstrating a legalistic view of God's expectations, church, right? Because after words and, and, and actions have had their say, love is what makes the message ring true or false. So people aren't impressed, you know, just by hearing about God's love as much as they are by seeing it. Amen. So we have to we have to live it. Amen. Praise God. John John chapter 13 uh, verses 34 and 35 says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Verse 35 says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. So we also have to leave a mark also in, in spirit, not living a life in the flesh, right? But by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says leave a, leave a mark in, in faith as well. Amen? Uh, believing, right? Living a life of, of fidelity, of faithfulness, right? I mean, sooner or later, people around us, man, I mean, they're, they're going to need to understand what motivates our speech, what motivates our life, what motivates our love, right? And it's the ability to trust God. People need to see what it looks like to trust God. Amen. Paul also says, leave a mark in purity, right? Live a life sinless. I know we're not perfect, man, but we got to strive, man, for perfection by the grace of God. Amen. Sometimes we let others, you know, uh, set the standard for us. I mean, we allow ourselves to do certain things that we feel uncomfortable, church, um, because other people are doing it, right? But when you are the example you are the one setting the standard. I am the one setting the standard. Amen. We have, I always teach my kids, don't you be a follower. You be a leader. Amen. You be a leader by the grace of God. You lead according to the way God shows us how to lead. Amen. I mean, let's not be followers, right? Followers of Christ, yes. But leaders in our families, in our churches, and in our communities. Amen. So these above qualities that he was that he was, uh, that Paul was mentioning, right, were to be developed not just for public display, but as a uniform, um, as a uniform texture, right, of, of Timothy's life and our lives as well, church. Praise God. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. So besides carefully observing the, the private life to keep it above reproach, Timothy was also to give attention to the preparation, right? To uh, the preparation and attention, right? To his public ministries. And I like this. He mentions it in three different areas, right? To the reading of Scripture. In other words, let's read the Word of God together. Amen? To exhortation, right? To apply what we read, that to apply that truth, right? It's putting the Word into action, right? It's moving people into action. It's, it's putting God's Word into practice in our lives. And right, and he mentions to doctrine, right? And that's teaching that's teaching how to understand and follow God's word. So the people back then needed to know, they needed to understand, they needed to be constantly reminded, you know, uh, of the great truths of the Christian faith, and so do we. Amen. It's it's the same thing in our circles, in our families, in our relationships. We need to make sure that we are reading the word and growing in faith. Amen. There's power in reading the scripture, church. There's power, but you know what? There's power in walking the scripture as well. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 14. 
Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Amen. So Paul uh, reminds Timothy that it's necessary, you know, to uh, to uh, um, to do what God has told you to do. And I like how he encourages it, right? He says, do not neglect your gift, right? So in other words, he tells Timothy, listen, man, you got a gift. You have a gift. You know, he reminds him. And I like that because there are a lot of times, you know, that we can doubt. We can doubt our abilities. We can doubt uh, uh, if, if we actually have a gift from God. You know what I mean? And we can doubt ourselves, but Paul encourages him. He lifts him up. He builds him up, right? He says, listen, you got what it takes. You got what it takes to do the job, right? You got what it takes to do the difficult work over there in Ephesus. I mean, each of us has been given gifts, right, by the Spirit. But here's the problem, okay? This is what I believe. I believe that we spend far too much time trying to strengthen our weaknesses, right? Only to find that when we do that, we end up weakening our strengths. You know what I mean? So, what I'm trying to say is, listen, go where you are strong, okay? If you're gifted as a, as a worship leader, then lead worship. If, if you're gifted with kids, then plug into the kids' ministry, amen? If you're, if you're gifted in, in, in like one-on-one -on -one, uh, situations, then don't try to preach before thousands, right? Go with your strength. Whatever God has called you to do, go for it, right? Go for it with intensity and with tenacity, amen? He's saying that we must not neglect the development and the use of of our spiritual gifts. Why? Because God gives gifts to be used to, to benefit others. Amen? Not to be not to be buried. Okay? Not to be buried. So if you're in a position to where you think you know that 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 you don't have spiritual gifts or you don't know, well I mean Jesus tells us to ask. He tells us to ask. He tells us in, in Luke uh, Luke chapter eleven verses nine through thirteen he says so I say to you Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Amen. Who has powerful? Straight from Jesus. Praise the Lord. Verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Verse 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. So he was to devote himself to his ministry, right? And so are we, right? So that our spiritual uh, progress will be evident to all, amen? The gospel ministry should produce growth in the ministry, in the gospel ministry, right? Not just those to whom he ministers to, right? It, the growth is for both the minister and also the congregation, amen? So in other words, there's still room for growth for all of us, amen? And God wants all of us to grow, he doesn't want none of us to be to be uh, um, stuck, right? He wants all of us to grow. And by persevering in spiritual development, both personally and professionally, he will save in the sense of deliver, amen, both himself and those under uh, his care. It's not talking about salvation, you know, from, from sin. No, Timothy had already been at experience personal salvation, right? He had faith in Christ but through the delivering and transforming power of God's Word, 
he and the church could experience daily victory over the power of sin. Amen. How many of us want victory, daily victory? I know I do. How many of us want victory over the power of sin? Amen. Well, let's continue to grow. Okay, let's not get stuck. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to, to get into God's word. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's all I have for today. Uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I thank you, Father, for your word uh, that you've given us tonight. Thank you for reminding us of uh, the importance, Lord, of studying your word. Um, I ask, Lord, that uh, you help us not to get caught up, Father. Help us not to get caught up in, in the meaningless conversations that, or debates, but to focus, Lord, to focus on being an example, Father, an example for others uh, to see in word, uh, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith and in purity, Father. Give us the, the boldness, Father, to share Jesus, Lord, and may your name be glorified in all that we do, Father. So all this I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, and let everyone say amen. Amen.